everybody. Welcome to Read This, Read That. I am Jackie Reed. I'm Joy Ann Reed. What's up, cousin? Girl, it's it's been a day. How, Has how's it your been? day been? It's been a day. It's been a I'm day. I'm loving long. your hair, by the way. Thank you. I, I, I literally didn't get it bunned by a professional bun but hairstylist. So I literally was like, what am I going to do? Did you put it up yourself? I put it up. I, it's what? It's so messy, but it's like cute messy. It is very cute because you know you... Admittedly, I'm cannot do person. your hair. I am not a hair person but at all. But this is working. I, was like, I Let love me just it. Push, 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 pin, 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 and whatever it looks like. And I looked in the mirror and I was like, oh. So it's a little oh. different from what you had before. <laughs> You're so crazy. But And you were saying that your husband was like, eh, it's a little bit too much, but I much. love if it. If I took it down, it's big and curly. It's, oh, it's sort of like your do, uh-huh. but like long. And it's like, and I like it down, but he's like, it's too much. Oh, it's too cute. But this is in, the, in between being down and up because it's yeah. like up down. Oh, yes. Yeah. I love it. It's a look. I love it. It's Luke. So what's your wind down today? So, girl, this is my day today. So I, you you know, I like, you know, I move often. So we moved from Brooklyn. Then we moved to, to Harlem in, in the city, right? My mouth is open. No, but listen, I had moved to this other apartment. And then I was like, this apartment's too small. We were having issues. We're moving again. So now I moved to where I am now, where we right. rent now. So the previous apartment, so apartment number two in East Harlem, I moved out of there October 1st. And the only reason I stayed till October 1st is that we purchased a home in another state. This is just my little two days a week apartment. Right, so this right, is just right. my side place. And so where I'm your staying, kids hang out. Where the kids hang out, right? <laughs> because, you know, they're never going to leave. So we moved out on them and moved <laughs> out of state. But they're still here, so they still needed a place. So this is the apartment that needed to be. I needed a four-bedroom. I needed space for everyone, et cetera. So we have that new place now. Place number two, I had to stay in there because they wouldn't let me out of my lease. So we had a tenant that we put in the whole summer last summer, and then the the tenant moved out October 1. All right. So October 1, tenant's gone, we're gone. Subletter's gone, we're gone. I'm supposed to get my security deposit back. <sighs> December comes, no security deposit. It's now January, no security deposit. Oh, you know New York is notorious. Ma'am, I'm calling these people like, I need my security deposit. I'm emailing them, where's my security deposit? Nothing, 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 nothing. They finally, I finally call the, the, the manager, the, the apartment manager, who it's not her job to give me my security deposit. She goes, you haven't gotten your security deposit back and they're not responding to your emails? And I was like, I have not. They have not. She's like, I'm going to call them. She calls them and says, hey, the law is you got 30 days to give her her money. Where is these people's money? Then they start emailing me back. They are like, oh, we did mail it out. It never got there. Can we verify your address? They verify my out-of-state address. It is the correct address. I tell Jason, check again. Check all the mail. Check the mail that's, you know, that we left on the chair. Nothing, nothing, nothing. That They did not send that. that pure lies. Okay. Now they're basically trying to say, oh, you know, we're the new managers. We just found out. We're going to fix it. But then they sent me on a reverie. I had to go through all the trouble. I had to fix it. Right. I had to fill out some bank form, get this bank form notarized to prove that I never got the check. And I'm thinking, the proof I never got the check is that I never deposited the check. Why do you need me to get a notarized form that I have to run down, print out, and find? I came in here to the office specifically yesterday just to print out the form, go and get it notarized, and then the person tells me, oh, well, the lady at the bank has to give you the information to put on the form. Because on the form, you have to say the check number, the check amount. Right. I don't know any of that. Right. Because you never like, got the check. I never got the check. I'm now having to run down the bank lady, find out the information, fill out the form, get the form notarized, email the form to the bank. I'm having to do all the legwork to get my own money. Let me tell you something. And so now I said to them, they're like, and then once you do all, once you do all the work, lady who we owe money to, we will then remail you the check. And I was like, eh, 
No, you are going to get my check and I'm going to either pick it up or you're going to messenger it to me. Why? You shouldn't have to fill out anything. I shouldn't have had to do anything. No. The amount of work I did today, it was like I was my own administrator today. I was an administrative assistant to myself today <laughs> and to the, my former landlord. They had me running around, running to go find a, a notary, running to, to call the bank myself, find out the check number. I've done all the legwork to get back my own money. What the actual hell? Let me tell you what you got to do in New York City. So and anybody, anybody listening to this advice, listen to me. When you pay your de- security deposit, yes. pay it. When you get, when you know you're gonna move, yes. do not pay the last month's rent, ma'am. Tell them just Take don't even out. say nothing. Mm. Don't I, okay, mm. yeah, it's coming. Don't write that in an email or a text. Mm. But just okay, I'll pay it. Uh huh, it's coming. Move out mm-hmm. and say keep the security deposit Ma'am. as my last month's rent because you will never get, get it in it this back. city. It's, I, it has happened to me time and time again. And the last place I moved from, I was like, you can keep security deposit. By the way, you and I used to live in the same apartment. This is our not at the thing, same time, but not I know. the same time. But we both lived at the same address. Those people in that apartment we both moved out of, yes. Didn't they claim that they, they used it for cleaning? Ma'am, yes. They, I, Every I, time ma'am, it happens to me, ma'am. I have hired cleaners to come in and clean up my department. Think, you think I didn't? Hired and paid. I mean, the place is spotless. Spotless. And then they still keep the security deposit, saying they use it. Yes. Let me tell. Move out. Don't, don't pay, pay that, that last la- month. Yes. And let that be your skill. When mm-hmm. I tell you we had hired handy.com, handy punto yes! and cleaned time that Time and time again. And they still kept Girl. my deposit. Had the nerve to say, well, this was for cleaning this. This was for that leak. Girl. This was that. And I'm like, listen, give me my money. No. Never got my money. They won't do it. Every single time, Every time. I have moved out of an apartment in New York, I have to fight for my money. Yep. These people, though. This money had already earned interest. We're talking about more than, you know how expensive rent <laughs> yeah, is. Yeah, We're is. talking about more than $5,000. I'm like, if you don't think I'm coming for my money, yeah. <laughs> you are crazy because you don't know me. Give me my money. Is that Joy Reid from MSNBC with a bat outside our <laughs> and door? And by the way, I started out nice. Then when I started to email, yeah. don't you know I made sure I put my signature. Yeah. M. The, where I work, yeah, I work for the news. Yes, don't make me don't do a ma- segment uh, mm. on my show. Please don't. Already doing it on the pod. Don't Listen. make me name you. Don't make me do it. Don't make me name you. Listen, if you don't get your check by the next podcast, it'll be on the show. We're gonna name so, it. So I'm sorry to all the people who watch a- AM Joy to listen to, to talk about Trump. There will be a segment about this <laughs> landlord. I don't get my money. Yeah, I know. I know. It's crazy. I have been there time and time and time again. What is it about New York? I don't know, but I'm telling you, you have to take the power back. Yes. You have to pay the security Ooh. deposit. Do not pay the last month's rent Ma'am. until they give you your security. Let your security deposit That's right. be the last month. Correct. Rent. Give me my money. Yeah. And, and the thing is so Mm-mm. crazy is New York has some of the strictest pro-tenant laws in the country. Girl. It is, there is a law that says that it, within 14 days, I believe, 14 or 15 days of you moving out, they're supposed to issue you a check for your security It's supposed to go in an escrow account. So don't tell me you spent my money. Because you had to put it in an escrow. Girl, ain't nobody doing that. And you know they're not doing that. Ain't, no, ain't nobody doing that. Nobody. They're using the money and then they have to scrap. They didn't have my money. They probably staged that apartment Ma'am. for the next person with, with my that money. money. Let's put money. a couch in here. <laughs> with my money. First of all, 
they wouldn't let. First of all, some, I'm just gonna I'm gonna stop in a minute, but I'm just saying. No, hey, no, let it out. I bought it. My husband and I bought a home. Typically, a landlord who is informed that you have purchased a home and you prove to them that you have a mortgage now and a home, they will say you can get out of this 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 this. I only had three months left, and they wouldn't let you wouldn't out. Wouldn't let me out. That's I had New to York. Go find a subletter to put a subletter in because I was gonna have to pay not one, not two, but three. Bills. And on top of all of that, now they want to keep your security deposit. And then they want to keep my money. And they playing games making you run around and do the work to get your money. I was running around here like my name was Myrtle and I am the mm-hmm. administrative assistant to Joy Ann Reed and this company. And the company. I was their You're administrative their assistant administ- Yes. And had to go, I'm dealing with the bank. I'm calling the bank. Mm-hmm. I'm filling out the form. I'm getting For it notarized. For my own money. Why are you doing all that? Ma'am. Oh. But you know what I did? Did all of that because I'm going to get my money. Uh-uh. Uh-uh. What's your wind down, my love? Because uh, <laughs> I'm pissed. Child. Give me my money. Mine going to piss you off even more. Oh, Lord Jesus. I don't know if it's as bad as yours. Mine is with the New York Waterway Ferry. Ooh. Do tell. So, you know, I love the ferry. You sure do. You talk, talk about, about it like about it's the Hilton Hotel. I lo- and here's what I love about riding the ferry back and forth between New Jersey and Manhattan. Yes. Water calms me. It calms me. I love so much beginning my day, my or, or my work day, yes. on the water, on mm-hmm. a boat, and I love ending it that way. Yes. It's so peaceful. Here's what I don't like. The customer service of New York Waterway. This week... The captain of the ferry that I ride threatened to call the police on me. Stop. If I did not get off the boat. Stop. I'm not kidding. Wait a minute. Let me tell you the whole story. Girl, let me let me have a sip. Let Hold me on. take let another me take sip. sip. Hold yeah, on. Take a sip. Because. Yeah. Okay, I think I'm ready. And mind you, it was another woman with me who was not black, who was like, call him. <laughs> so I was call like, call him. Calm down, girl. <laughs> You're not black. <laughs> so, hold on. So, okay. So, this is my my third or fourth incident with them. Okay. So, here's what happened uh, this week. So, when I catch the ferry in Edgewater, it's yes. a smaller uh, uh, ferry station, right? Mm-hmm. So, there's really nowhere where you, you can get customer service. There's some men who kind of work around the area. Right. But there's no one that's actually man. There's a ticket uh, machine. Okay. Where you can buy your, your ticket. Yep. I would say so many times. Those machines are broken. Okay. There's usually one. They replaced it with two new machines. Yeah. It's so, like the subway ticket machine that's always exactly. broken. Yeah. Th- that's always broken. Mm-hmm. So on the, usually when it's broken, this has happened time and time again, it's usually a group of us. It's yep. n- people go and they go stand in line waiting yep. on the ferry. So you go and you say, the machine is not working. I don't have a ticket. And they'll say... Just get on the boat. You can buy a ticket on the other side. Yeah. When you get to the other side, there's usually somebody from security or that works with New York Waterway that will walk with you over to a ticket agent, or you can go to the machine, buy a ticket, and give it to them. Okay. Right? Yep. So this this has happened, I can't even count the time, countless times, right? Okay. So on this particular morning, this week, ticket machines were both broken. There's mm-hmm. a whole bunch of us who were like, it's not working. Somebody else tried their card. Somebody tried cash. Yeah. Nobody could get a ticket. So we all go walk to stand in line. Mm-hmm. And there's a long line. And as we're going to get on the boat, I realized, like, as I got very close, 
that the guy on the boat was telling people you can actually buy a ticket from this woman who's in the booth that was like from this door over here, just feet away right. from where you get onto the boat. Yeah. And this this booth has sat empty for I've never seen anyone in it. Yeah. So as those of us who could get tickets from the machine are standing in line, the last people are getting onto the boat. So the crew that's working the boat, they start lifting up the, I don't know what it's called, to, to like, so you can't get on the boat. What? And so I ran over there. You mean the drawbridge? The, the little the, yeah, the, the thing, thing to get on? Yeah. And I was like, wait a minute. And so all of us, it was like a group of 10 of us about. And we were all saying, wait a minute, you're not going to wait on us to buy the tickets? And he was like, no, nah, we got to go. We got to go. And I was like, wait a minute. You're not going to wait on us to buy the ticket. Well, then we'll just buy the ticket and we get across. No, you can't do that. I was like, why? Why all of a sudden can't we do that? Because there's somebody in the booth. So? I was like, if I had known somebody was in the booth, I would not have stood in line, in line. waiting. How are we supposed to know this woman is in this booth with blacked out windows? Right. So I was sta- I was the only one standing on the thing that you could rise up to. Oh, take my God. To- so, and I was the only one, but everybody was arguing with him. Right. And I was like, this is ridiculous. And so I look at the captain, and I'm like, you're going to let him do this? You're going to not let us get on the boat and buy tickets on the other side like exactly. we do all the time? He's like, uh, you know, he honked. Eh, eh. He's like, ma'am. I, he didn't say ma'am. I have a schedule to keep. And I said, well, I do, too. Exactly. I'm trying like to get don't. to work. Exactly. And then, um, and then I'm arguing with the guy. And he's like, look, this is the second time that you and I have had a, a situation. Oh, oh I'm going to tell you about that. Second time you and I have had a situation. And I'm like, well, this is the second time I had a situation with with you. you. Exactly. And he was like. And that's nothing to brag about, sir. I know. And so he's like, you're not going. You're going to have to get, please get off. Please get off. And I said, I'm not. I don't understand why I can't buy the ticket on the other side like I do every time. Why do I have to be late? And so I look up at the captain. I said, so you're really going to do this? He said, he opened the window. He said, if you don't get off the boat, I will call the police. <gasps> and this this Asian, this Asian girl was like, call him. I was like, girl. She I said, said, so y'all going to call the police over this? And then I got off, right? And so I go to the girl in the ticket booth. And I'm like, are you kidding me right now? She said, listen, I get it. She said, they just called me and told me to be in this booth. She was like. I said, but if y'all had put a sign that said on that the machine that said we should buy the tickets here or that you have to buy the or, or just explaining anything, it would have been helpful. So I said, who do I complain to? So she gave me a number. I called that number three times. I talked to a woman one time, but she was like, I'm not the person. You need to talk to the manager. I left a, man, a message for the manager twice, and then I couldn't. The manager never called me back, so I called this woman back, and I just left a complaint. She says she took notes. Haven't heard anything Nothing. about it. So the prior incident he was talking about. Now, this one, I swear, I, if there were a better alternative, I would take it. I hate the customer service on New York waterways. They are the absolute, their ticket booths are always broken. One quick question. Mm-hmm. So the ferry is not operated by the state of New Jersey. It's operated by New York. It's New York. Just check. Yeah, Port Authority. Uh, yeah. You just answered my question. Yeah, and there you go. And, and there, there you go. And they the, their slogan is the civilized commute. Ha! Bullshit. Bullshit. Because your mm-hmm. customer service is terrible. Sucks. Yes. Let me tell you about the first incident that this gentleman mm. was, this man was referring to. Mm. So I get on the boat every morning, okay. and I don't know what his issue is, but he often would snatch the ticket out of Oops. my hand. Is he white or black? 
I he's not white or black. He's Ooh. brown. Okay. But I don't know what his ethnicity is. Gotcha. So he often would snatch the ticket out of my mm. hand. Okay. And he often only talks to white people. He don't talk to anybody brown mm. or black. Mm. Let me just oh. say that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Snatch the ticket out of my hand. So one particular morning, because I, I just took a, I had a problem with this. He was snatching it out of my hand. So I took the ticket. I flipped my hand over and I handed it to him as opposed to having my hand, right. you so know, he could palm take it up. Out. Yeah. I put, I placed it in his hand. Yeah. Didn't slam it down anything. I placed it in his hand. He stopped everything. No, no. So, and I kept walking. So I hear this whistle and I keep walking. And then he says, hey, hey. And I turn he around. He did not whistle at you oh, yeah. like you were a pet. Yeah. Stop. And so I turn around. I said, yes. He said, you don't hand your ticket to me this way. You've got to be I kidding. said, are you serious right now? What? Yes. You do not hand your ticket to me this way. You um, you hold it out, and then I take I said, are you serious right now? No, I said, you on. snatch the ticket out of my hand every morning when I come here, and that is rude. And so I decided to place it in your hand. I said, I didn't slam it down or hurt you in any way. That's not how, and I just walked off. And went upstairs, because you can ride upstairs on the fair, because right. I like to look out the window. Yes. Do you know this motherfucker came upstairs? Stop. Came upstairs Stop. and said, I will I will ban you from the boat. What? You don't, you don't, you're, you can't. For be, handing him the ticket? Handing him, didn't slam it down. I had no attitude. I just turned my hand over, You've palm got down. to be kidding. So he, we argued, argued the entire trip. Um, to ma- not the entire trip, but for a bit of the trip. And I was like, I, so he went into where the captain was, which is like a little enclosed place right. where the door was open. And I got up and came over there. I said, listen to me, you're going to come upstairs and yell at me? Who do you think you are? Exactly. You know, over the way that I handed you a ticket? A ticket? And now you're going to tell me that you're going to ban? He told me he was going to ban me from the boat. Have you gotten this person's name? He. W- I said, what's your name? He wouldn't give it to me. Girl, I got off the boat. I got. I called our investigative reporter at Channel Ma'am, Four. Yes. I got a number for PR. Yes. And I told them the entire story. And I started with how much I really enjoyed the ferry. I said, "But your customer service sucks." And and he said, "Let me take care of." It. I said, "Cause listen, I have to ride the ferry home, and I don't want an issue with this man trying to tell me I can't be on the boat." And I said, "And to be clear, he was very aggressive with me. Uh, yeah. As a woman, he was very aggressive. And he's a city employee, girl." So he, he he called me back. He said, you're fine. It won't be a problem. So when I got to the ferry to ride that evening, I went up to security there and I told them what happened. Oh, mind you, when I got off the boat that day, when he was yelling at me about the way I handed him the ticket, I went up to security to, to, to complain to security once I got to, you know, the Port Authority place right. for the ferry on the other side. And this black woman came up and she said, I saw the whole thing. He was rude to her and he's rude. I've seen him be rude before. She said, he needs to be fired. And the guy said, I know exactly who you're talking about. We've had other problems with him. Mm. So when I came back, PR told me it's not going to be a problem. I was like, I need more than that. I need a formal complaint filed yes. against this guy. A hundred percent. We have a problem. He should not be. He, but meaning he has a city job. Where he gets a pension. Girl. For acting this way and toward customers. Oh, no. my God. Nope. Nope. Was nope. So after that, we get on the boat. We don't speak. He don't say nothing to me. He does not snatch my ticket anymore. Mm. Does not snatch it. And we were we were good. You know, even though I wanted him fired. Yeah. I was like, you know what? Change your behavior. You, you want change your, your you behavior, want your right? So they were like, you, you'll never have to worry about him again. And then fast forward months later, here we go. And here we are talking about we gonna call the police on you. 
for you all. And him still remembering that he yes. had a past issue I with you. I had the nerve to so throw it in my personal. face. Like, like, you got an issue with me. Like, I'm a problem. No. Oh, no. Girl. Mm-mm. This is the second this, time I had an incident with you. This is crazy because here's the thing. Girl. This is not a private. So if this was a private company, yes. right, it would be bad enough. Right. Because, you know, and, and we've talked about this before, my pet peeve is bad customer service. It's the thing that drives me the most. It's not the big things. I can deal with the big things. You know, we have a president who needs impeached. I can deal with that. (laughs) The man is crazy, Crazy. but I can deal with that. Right. Because my job. You know. I already know what I'm dealing with. You know what it is. The man is crazy. Right. But he's the president. Got it. Got it. But little, the, the customer service issues is yeah. what digs me. Like, why are you in a job Where that you... requires customer service <gasps> if you don't want to like people? If you don't like people. I've never understood this. We So we are we work in Rockefeller Plaza. We happen to work in a place that, at least before, it's turned over now. But the the, the, the people who used to be in the postal service, the post service in our basement. Girl. There was one lady. It's the worst post office. I've had things never arrive that I've Oh, it's had issues. There. But there was always one lady down there named Donna. And every time I would go down there, I would go right to Donna. Because Donna. She was nice. The epitome of excellent customer service. Yeah. When I tell you this lady will go out of her way for you, she was kind. She would explain things to you. She would make sure you got your stuff in the right package. She was wonderful. But other than, you know, other than like every so often you get a wonderful customer servant who realizes that your day is not, they're, they're, they're going to work the same eight hours either way. You can either be kind or you can be an asshole. Yeah. And you have to make that choice. Okay. But when you're working in a, in a city, state, or federal job, we don't. It's not like we have a choice of going to FedEx instead. No, here we are. You're in the there's a, the one you're ferry. It. This is it. This is it. This is it. This is all you've got. And so if you think you are the only place to go, if you're in the Social Security office or you're in the, you know what I mean? You're the mm-hmm. only choice. Yeah. Why couldn't you have some humanity toward the person that's in front of you? you know I what don't I mean? understand. Is, you're not losing any money or you're not getting anything less if you're just decent to people. Right. And it, then you're gonna come and yell at me, yell <gasps> at me. Follow me upstairs. This is this is crazy. And, and it's also dangerous. He's a man and you're a woman yes. and that is that is threatening girl he should not be in a city job where he gets a pension that our tax dollars help to pay for yeah no oh it's crazy mm-hmm. and don't girl speaking of customer service let me just say one more thing the post office in harlem they need to burn it down oh, God, they need to burn that I, they need to burn it and you know i did a change of address I electronically yeah right mm-hmm. went to go and pick up my mail they never received, never held any of my mail, girl. <laughs> not not one envelope. And treated me like, I was like, so I did it online and sent the mail. Like, there's a record of me doing this. Mm-hmm. I don't know what to tell you. Same thing with Social Security office, girl. I, I, didn't, I lost my Social Security card. Good oh, luck God. if you ever lose your card and you want to get it back. I called the Social Security office. First, I was on hold for 30 full minutes, 30. When I finally got somebody to pick up the phone, they said, hello. That was the start. <laughs> okay, here's how we're going to go. I explained that my card that was Ms. Missing, and I walked them through it, and they're like, well, what address did you have on your, what, what address did you have before? I told them the address that I have currently, but that ain't the address that we got. When I told him my actual address, well, you got to send it to the other. I'm like, well, I don't live at that address anymore. Like two addresses ago. I don't know what to tell you. Same kind of thing. I can't mm-hmm. help you. It's like, but the logic of this is you could just change my address. Well, I can't do that. Oh. You got to go down here and you got to fill out form so and so and so and go down and do the form. So she I go. Was, and, and, and look, it took everything she had to tell you that. To just give me that information. So I did go to the Social Security office. I stood in line. I, I, I got a number. 
Um, it was going to take so long that I went and did other errands and came back about an hour and a half later. And I still waited another half hour. Finally, it was my number. I get up to, and I had, you know, I'd gone in. I'd, I'd asked for the number. I'm at the Social Security office. I asked the customer, you know, the, the one person who was there, is this where I go to change my Social Security card? They're like, what's well, the Social Security office? I'm like, right. okay, that's a lot. I mean, I'm sorry to, you know, ask, but <laughs> fine. When I finally get up there, the person looks at my application and or, or doesn't look at my application. There was no application and said, oh, you, this is the wrong place. This isn't where you do that. And I'm like, pardon me? Are you kidding me? Uh, and they're like, no, you don't do that here. We don't do that. We don't do change of Social Security. We don't do ordering a Social Security card here. You got to go to that other office at another place. And I'm like, but, but couldn't have somebody have maybe told me that before I waited three, two and a half hours? That ain't not that. I can't help you. The flat. It's the flatness. It's the it's the it's the lack of like giving a crap, you know? Like, what I mean? like just you know, oh, I'm sorry. Nope, no. Nope, Let nope. me try to do something. No. Let me, you, you know what? No. Let me try to help you out. Hold on. Let me no. get my supervisor. Let me see if we can do something no. to just, you know, you can't do it here, but let me give you a number. Let me give yeah. you something. Talk, my girl can't. Like none no. of that. And I get, and I understand that part of when you're working in a job like this, and I actually, I actually feel for the people who work in these kind of a places because probably the customers are assholes. Probably nine times out of yeah, ten, the I'm people not, they're dealing with is an asshole. But I'm I'm not, like, right? But, I mean, and I get it. You're probably dealing with people who are bossy, mean, rude, horrible. I get it. But if you're in a job where you're a public-facing job, right. that's kind of your deal. Your Part of your Comes with job territory. is just deal with that. Yes. And find Listen, a way to turn it around. When I deal with the assholes on the New York Waterway Ferry, mad I don't em. go to work and I'm mad at everybody. And take it and out on everybody take else. It out. No. But people take it out. And the customers, and it's not just these public service jobs. It is the private, private, the private world is even worse. You know, if you if it, it the private, it's even worse. I'm sorry. These landlords, these people who just keep your money, everything. It's just all bad. Customer service, it is the key. Mm. Anyway, enough complaining. Yes. You know, it is almost wedding season. It's almost February, which, of course, is Valentine's Day. That's so, you know, true. that's cupping season and wedding season. A lot of brides are, pl- are planning. Lots of fabulous brides are getting ready for it. But the thing about uh, weddings are they're wonderful. They're fabulous. The food is great. The dresses are great. The fashion is great. But you know what's annoying? The planning. I know. The planning is crazy. And if you can't afford a wedding planner, oh. there's an option out there for you. What is it? Zola. Mm. Zola makes wedding planning easier and less stressful with so wedding websites, Registry, invites, and a guest list manager all in one place. It's like being on set yesterday. That is so much everything. You get hundreds of gorgeous designs for any kind of a style you want. You create your website in minutes. You get a custom URL, even password protection, and you can get fabulous things like a a frequent FAQ page so people can get questions done, online RSVPs, guests can shop your registry. Right on your little website. And Zola is not new to the game. Listen, they have the highest rated registry of all time. You can register for gifts, gifts, experiences, and honeymoon funds. Fabulous. How about that? You can have people give money yes. towards your honeymoon. Towards your honeymoon. And here's the other thing about weddings. Sometimes you get gifts that, you know, you don't love them. Mm. But Zola allows you to do free shipping and returns, free wow. and easy exchanges. You even get a 20% off post-wedding discount price matching. So literally even the gifting makes it perfection. Listen, and when you're planning, you want everything to be perfect. Yes. So they give you beautiful, affordable invites and paper. So important. You can shop your whole paper suite at Zola and see 
and uh, from save the design to invites to save the dates rather to invites and thank yous and they can customize them with your little cute photos your little cute wording and they help you collect the addresses and even track online RSVPs so you know who's coming with their fabulous free guest list manager listen and Zola has helped one million yes one million couples get married and they'll help you too why that not is do it fabulous so the way that you get this done brides and bridesmaids actually get your bridesmaids to do it make get her them do involved it for you in it too. get them involved sign yes. up to Zola.com slash read this R-E-I-D this today you get a free personalized paper sample oh that's nice that is fabulous I want they, that I know you can then use the code save 50 and guess what girl you get 50% off you save the dates I love that. That's Zola.com slash read this. That's R-E-I-D this. And promo code SAVE50. That's SAVE50. Happy wedding. Mazel tov. We're going to start because Ed Gordon has walked into the room. And this brother has always been able to dress his ass off. But, like, today is, like, a whole, like... It's a whole look. Listen. Listen. I feel like I should call June Ambrose and see if she'll put you on her Instagram. It's Granimal. (laughs) <laughs> match it all right, up right. and Don't you put it together try. no that's Detroit that's not Detroit 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 that's Detroit that's some let, Detroit me see, let me see the shoes Ed. the shoes is pretty clean though the come shoes is now. cute like, look at the shoes come on now he even got a pattern on the on the slacks yes I know. did it all look at this he's Just got for the us? turtleneck for our little podcast under the sweater but fabulous I'm a, I'm a little concerned what's mm. going on because I could not hear fully what yeah. you all were talking about. Yeah. But I heard something about, that's because you're a woman. And the dude, I was like, oh, man, am I walking <laughs> into this? Am I walking? Whatever it was, whatever, I ain't do it. But, but you're dressed for it. It don't matter. Right. Yes, don't you matter. are dressed. We were talking, we were having a conversation customer service. about customer service. Oh, okay. That's enough. And okay, I'm cool. Yeah. Have you ever <laughs> dealt with, you have any, like. Oh, constantly. Right? Constantly. But why what is that? It? It's just the way the People just don't is. care. They don't care anymore. But why no. are these people in customer service jobs? That's that's what the company wants, right? That's like when they keep bouncing you around. They just are trying to wear you out. Yes. Ah. And it's, yes, so exhaust you. if I put you. somebody who was really going to help you, then the company has to do something. That's right. Oh, right? gosh. So, I've never even thought about yeah. it like It's so that. true. So now that makes me angry, and that makes yes. me want to persist even more. Well, you know what it reminds me of is, and we've been talking about this a lot with, you know, just colleagues that have uh, iPhones mm-hmm. and that have cell phones. That there is a thing in business called, you know, f- f- guaranteed obsolescence, forced mm-hmm. obsolescence, that if you give people something that lasts forever, they won't buy another one. That's right. Right? And so you have built in obsolescence in cars where they used to last 20 years. I mean, right. my godmother had a car she used to call Dodgy. And Dodgy <laughs> was older than me. But it ran fine. And she was like, I'm going to ride this thing till the mm-hmm. literal wheels fall off. And she did. But if you build cars like that, no one buys another car. So now they've built cars that go squirrely after two years and you have to get another car. And, and they Detroit do it with cell phones. All, Mr. Detroit knows all about it. You would know. know. It's <laughs> real. And you know that's real. Yeah, I, know. I, know. I can see it. The way everybody, he was everybody nodding his head. head. He was like, don't yep. even get me started. Uh, that's what kept us employed. That's boy. exactly right. You what? I got do you so have many spoon? friends do you have from a spoon? Do you need I need a spoon? one, yes. Okay. We are eating. You want to explain that? So, are you going to eat ice cream with us, Ed Gordon? I heard vegan. Vegan ice cream. And I am from Detroit, so Jackie, you know Come I ate damn vegan <laughs> ice cream. What do you want? Pork skin? You want me to sprinkle some pork I want some pork, pork rind ice cream. Some bacon on it. <laughs> well, so what we're doing Just is we're going to try some vegan ice cream. Okay. Uh, 
And it, there's a reason we're doing it. First of all, because I'm trying to be supportive of my sister here. Uh, because yeah, you know, yes. I love a stick my phone, yeah. but I'm trying to I'm trying to change. Let's save the planet I, and, and our health. I'm off red time. meat. I'm just eating fish. I'm a fish vegan, but a, fe- a vegan, <laughs> <laughs> a vegan or a pescatarian. I'm a pescatarian. Whatever you want to say. But I brought some vegan ice cream for my for my my, my sister okay, cousin okay. because I, I'm trying to be supportive. But I want to taste it, and I think we should all try it. All right, Let's give it right. a shot. We'll do that. So this one we're gonna try is um now they ain't, they they ain't, they ain't bought no. Uh, ads on this thing, so I'm giving this one for free. <laughs> for free this time. Van Leeuwen is a little vegan ice cream store yes. that's, that's here They're in down 30 in the Rock. basement or, or the main floor. On the main floor. Yeah. So this one is cookie dough, brownies, and candied oat clusters. That's a lot. Wow. Okay. It's I can't wait. Oat milk brown sugar <laughs> it's chunk. It's good, Ed Gordon. Yeah, man. It's starting to melt, so we got to we got okay, to eat it quick. Eat All right. So it's, while we it's while we introduce it, like well, for those of you who it's, can't it's a little see it right soupy. Now. And mm-hmm. I got I had to jumpstart the introduction. With yes. Ed because but we need to do a proper one. Dressed like. To the Come on, Thank don't be scared. All right, all right. Don't be afraid. Ed and I go way back. Way yes, back. I know. From our days. I love Jackie Reed. At Black B-E-T. Entertainment <laughs> Television. Negro Television. Negro Television. And y'all the only people I used to watch on there because <laughs> no, but you know, I, tell I used you to what, get mad at them. As music. much as people talk about BT, it gave us a career. It did. Yes. You know, I mean, it and it, it certainly did. gave me opportunity that I would have never gotten anywhere. Yeah. Yes. Well, you got my uh, my Barack Obama interview when we were begging for one and they and gave I it to you. you. Oh, he got, <laughs> he got all the When interview. I was at the Creo, I was angry. He got, he got the R. He did Kelly a good job. interview <laughs> yes, he back did. in the day. He did. He did. Oh, I was the only Negro on the block for Simpson. a long time. <laughs> O.J. Simpson. Like, he has done, like, yes. key interviews. But I want to talk about, and, and we'll get in conversation about this. Yes. Ed's are, we, are we eating this as we go? Yes, we are. We this is a very okay. casual situation. Okay. Right. So taste right. it, comment on it. Okay. It's just like the microphones aren't here. Just All like right. we're sitting around okay. hanging out. It's actually kind of good. But Ed has a new book called Conversations in Black um, on power, politics, and leadership. And he has interviewed the likes of Maxine Waters, which I love. I went to a book event that he had recently for this, which was wonderful, by the Thank way. You for I supporting loved it. Um, but he talked about interviewing Maxine Waters for this, which he, he, he told a funny story about how long it took to get Maxine <laughs> Waters to actually do the interview. Iyala Van Zant, Charlemagne, the God. I guess you have to say that when you say, say Charlemagne. Charlemagne the God. Did Ayala call you a gutter snipe? No, she did not. That's my dream for her to say you gutter snipe. <laughs> then I'll feel like I've made it. Stacey Abrams, Dale Hughley. That's interesting. Mm. Eric Holder, mm. Jamel Hill, Al Sharpton, Michael Eric Dyson, T.I., okay, mm. and many more. So, oh, uh, so many more on, on the back. Killer 40 Mike, plus. Angela Rye, 40 plus. Wow. So tell us what the book is about, because so, I love this concept. Yeah, so in 2012, I thought about the concept. I wanted to, you know, as, as all of us around this table know that often some of the great conversations that you have happen when the red light goes off. Yeah. Right? right? Except for on are coming this show. In, except for on this show. Because <laughs> we'll throw a motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> that was Jackie Reed, ladies and gentlemen. In a minute, but go so on. So anyway, I was, um, I thought, well, how many motherfuckers could I actually... <laughs> Get to come to the table, right? (laughs) You didn't get this on me, see. I'm just saying. He was real dignified when he was on there. (laughs) But, you know, because Jackie knows me, I'm not that dude at all. At all. (laughs) At all. I know everybody thinks, oh, you know, we love it, but, you know, he's this and that. Yeah. Not Mm -hmm. that. 
He did that for television. I will not share in this podcast. (laughs) Yes, you will. Things Ed Gordon said to me. Yes, you will. I'm not gonna say it. But one of the first things he said to me when when we met at NABJ after I signed up for BET. He was just like, get ready. I'm not going to say everything that you said. I felt an obligation. You did. He right? kept it very re- And at that moment, I said, this is very real. Mm. Okay. Yeah. Uh, um, but I, 2012, I came up with the concept of wanting to talk to people as we talk more candidly. Because when that camera comes on, we all get a little guarded mm-hmm. in that whole yeah. night. Mm-hmm. And I wanted the book to read as if we were all in the same room, like okay. we're doing here. Mm-hmm. But I knew the caliber of people, there, it would be impossible to get everybody in the same room. At the same time. So I got a project. I put it down in, in, in 2012. And it show you the difference in the eight, seven, eight years. I had already begun the book. Bill Cosby was one of the people that I interviewed at the mm-hmm. time. Maya Angelou was still alive. Mm-hmm. She was one of the people. So mm-hmm. the caliber was about the same, but it was interesting just to see now the difference. Now, when you interviewed uh, Dr. Cosby, did he offer you anything to drink? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think Ed is. You said, yeah, I, don't, I was going to say. I, I mean, you like was trying to <laughs> I was like, but I'm not white, which a lot of. His but he liked the light skin folks well. as well. All right, all right let me just warn y'all about the whole light skin thing. <laughs> Jackie knows that about. See, light skin people are often afraid to crack back. Yeah. I am not that Negro either. Right? As I- as I, I not said when he walked in the door, <laughs> with a fedora on. Listen, Can we just say? There should be a disclaimer. I am from Detroit. <laughs> with a fedora on. Right, right. So. <laughs> and them clean shoes, like you, okay? Like you wear to church where you're just like ready to come in. And, oh, man. Yes. Yeah. Yes, ma'am. So yes, yes. This is, Joy and I have said hello, but we don't really know no. each other. But now you will see, yeah. like, what it's the deal is, outside. right? Right. It's a I whole thing. TV is real. <laughs> Trust me, but I used on. to know her from TV, too. Right. And now right. I know so, better right. what I thought. So, <laughs> like, um, she, she seemed actually quite old. So, let me just say this. Up. I know we, uh, let, y'all just go by the book because clearly we just going to be clowning. No, into, no, I'm not even here. I'm not even worried about that. I just no, want to say, listen, just go. So. I would like to, I, you know, okay. I'm going to pull out a couple of. So let me just say, <laughs> let me say this. You put so this together, 2012, yes. I put mm-hmm. it down, mm-hmm. and and then I said, I really want to do this. I thought now was the time. Yes. Mm-hmm. So each chapter is a different topic, and it reads like a script, as if we were all together in the room mm-hmm. talking about issues. So we go from the state of black America to talking about a reflective look at the Obama years. Mm-hmm. We look at Trump and the black political muscle we look at black girl magic and how not every black we certainly salute black women in that chapter but i think there's kind of been this sense of now a lot of black women feeling like everybody's olivia pope and that ain't the case yeah. either right and there are a lot of black women who are in the criminal justice system or who are faltering for sometimes no fault of their own we talk about black men in the chapter that we call stand up black man stand up we talk about what i call the medea dilemma Yes. The sense of Tyler Perry and all that he's done and the images we portray. And mm-hmm. so I wanted to talk about the things we all talk about, mm-hmm. but we don't always like to talk about in public. Right. Yeah. yeah. And so I tried to really capture as best I could that. Um, so it's 40 plus people. And I became the linchpin. I interviewed all of them and 
put it together as if we were all in the same room. Very cool. Did you wrestle cool with any of the topics that you covered and whether or not to go public with that? Because, you know, sometimes it's like some of these, sometimes people feel like, you know, I may not like a Tyler Perry right. movie or I may not like his movies, but I'm not going to say that publicly. Do you know what I mean? Mm, Some people may feel that way. Did you wrestle with any particular topic that way? Not really. I just wanted to make sure that I was inclusive enough. So if someone said, I don't like his movies, there was somebody else, because that's our community, Mm -hmm. who said, like a lot of people said, I don't necessarily love him, but my grandmother loves him, my auntie loves him, Mm -hmm. reflective of, you know. um, And I think what you've seen is the metamorphosis of even people who didn't like his art in the beginning because our images are now finally starting to broaden, his images aren't as big in the sense of they're not, they're not as, for, for critics of his, as cringeworthy because you have another movie that gives other you a different options. image. Yeah. And that's yeah. all we ever wanted. Yes. Right. right. So he had taken on the, the position of, as BET when we were there, yes. you can't be everything for everybody. Right. 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 And so now I think his place is being solidified. Because I say, look... You know, you all get on him about, oh, man, you make the same movie. Well, shoot. Shoot. <laughs> you, you can curse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. She's the same motherfucker already. <laughs> That's <laughs> true. So I guess shit it would be okay. You can say that. Um, yeah. But, you know, the idea of him now making the same movie over and over. Well, Woody Allen had a whole career of that, oh, and nobody jumped on him. Amen. Yeah. Amen. I tell a story about Jamie Foxx saying, and here's the black tax. He said, as a black comedian... I have to think about whether I can tell a joke about chicken and watermelon and loving it. But a Jewish comedian can talk all day about eating bagels and locks 24-7 and nobody else gets on them. So as we all know, there is a still black tax that we pay. What I'd hope is that you'll read this with a group of people, Mm -hmm. have your own conversations. And my search, and I think our search should be for new narratives. Mm. We've reached a certain point in our community that I think we're kind of stagnant right now. How do we get past a certain ceiling that we've hit? Some people, individuals, have passed that. But on a whole, our community has not. And I think the things that were tried and true have gotten us this far. Some still work. Some of them a little obsolete. And so we just need to start to think about things a little differently. Can, can I, I ask? I want to. I'm very interested in talking with you a little bit about um, blacks in media. You interview a lot of media figures from mm-hmm. Ayanla, um, D.L. Hughley, um, you know, people who are very, yeah. you know, Jamel Hill, people who are at Reverend Sharpton, my colleague, our colleague here at, at NBC, and people who are in the mix. There's a sense that there are more people of color, a lot more black faces on air. But I wonder if you have a sense that that has meant that we have more influence over the narratives. No, that it, are absolutely. Being... You know this better than most. I, yeah. I, you know, uh, uh, not telling tales out of school. As I said, I don't know you. I can only imagine the battles that you have. Mm. You, you know, you're in front Maybe. of the camera, and it, <laughs> <laughs> and what it does is it it gives you a false sense of growth for blacks. Right. We still they can say tomorrow to you, mm-hmm. Joy, because you don't own the show That's or NBC. Right. You know what? It was a great run, but mm-hmm. we don't need you. Yep. I certainly have lived that many, many times. Mm-hmm. I've, I've even lived it where I surpassed, and this was this was also at BET, so it's not just yeah. a white. I surpassed a number that they gave us mm-hmm. that I thought, I can't, I can't make that number with that lead in. I said, there's no way... I said to them, you're trying to kill this show, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. They said, no, 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 we believe in... But they didn't, right? Mm-hmm. Not only did I meet that number, 
I surpassed it, mm-hmm. they still canceled the That's show. That's right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. So at some level, until you <laughs> own that show and have an outlet that I say in the book, Roland Martin and I talk about this all the time. If you're on MS or CNN or NBC, black folk are like, oh, my God. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If you're on BET, they're like, oh, yeah, okay, cool, cool. Mm-hmm. Some of the best programming I'd ever done didn't occur at a white network. Right. It occurred, But people gave more credence. That's right. When you were at a, a white network. When you're network. blessed by a white yeah. network. But then, but the, the, even the if you do something independently, even if you're yes. successful right. on your own. Yeah, correct. You know what I mean? It's the same it's thing. It's like what Jamel Hill on ESPN versus being on our own. But the question that I would have is then I'm confused as to why we don't have more black owned media. Because even at this point, BET was sold to Viacom. Right. We don't have a lot of black-owned media, and I wonder why more well, we, has not grown. We literally talk about that in the book, how, you know, um, Rich Lou Dennis, who mm-hmm. owns Essence, yeah. is in the book, and we talked about the importance of him buying that back and the like. But yeah. it's it's such an expensive industry. It's hard independently to stay in it. Yeah. And I think, you we know— We should what, mention OWN exists, <laughs> as we're talking. OWN exists. Yeah. yeah, it does. But OWN isn't black-owned— yeah, it's owned yeah. and Oprah's there, but yeah. she don't own it outright. Yeah. So let's be honest about that too. Mm-hmm. So, sorry, Oprah. Um, <laughs> well, it's Discovery. It's a partnership. It's with part Discovery. of Discovery. Right. Correct. Yeah. yeah. And that was if you get mad. That was Jackie who said that. <laughs> I'm saying it's a partnership. <laughs> I'm just saying. If Oprah go, who said that? That Jackie Reed said that. Oprah, I don't know. Look, I don't know. That was we Jackie don't Reed. Know her. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, who said that? Mm. But um. I think, you know, I think about when I grew up in Detroit, black folk owned, we call them party stores. They're bodegas here. But yeah. black, black folk owned those, yeah. right? And yeah. then all of a sudden, in the 70s, early 80s, we sold them. Yeah. And we didn't own them anymore. And then, you know, the Spike Lee thing. Yeah. How come you ain't got no blacks on the wall? Well, because I'm Italian and I own this sucker and Frank Sinatra going to be on the wall. Right. When you own something, put Biggie on the wall. But right. you come in here, yeah. it's going to be Frank Sinatra. And I keep saying, part of the new narrative, we can't keep forcing white folk to say, you better put us. In. No, no, let's own it so you yes. can put whomever you want on yeah. the wall. You don't right. have to beg them to put one of us on the wall. Hell, don't. Put them on the wall because I got mine, and I'm gonna put all these black people on the wall. Yeah, and that's what we do have to give Tyler Perry credit for, Absolutely. whether yeah. you love his work Absolutely. or not. Yep, the fact that he now owns a movie studio acres. that is the largest yes. in the world. In, I think so. I yeah. want to say in this, I know in at least country, country, but yeah. I definitely wanted. I want to say in the world, but I don't know that for certain. And you know what he has created. It's definitely something that we should celebrate. It's aspirational. All of us should celebrate that. And it's his. And I I say in the book that the things that that he's been able to do, not just in the industry, but when there's a calamity and he can send a plane or he can extract those black people who got stuck overseas. Or fly Whitney Houston's body home from L.A. when she died. At some point. Isn't that worth, if you think it is, a cringeworthy moment from Medea every now Absolutely. and then? Absolutely. I think so. Absolutely. I do. Or, or I, a I cringeworthy do. entire movie. No, I get it. But because, because that was, again. That was Jackie Reed. <laughs> Jackie Reed I just, look, I just saw Tyler the other day. We passed each other. He was like, hey, Anna. I just want you to know, bro. That was Jackie Reed. <laughs> Much respect. He knows. Listen, I walked out of acrimony because it was just terrible. They're not, the movies are not for me, but I'm with. I'm in the camp that says, 
You know, I wish he would employ more writers. I will have to say, I wish he employed I wish more he black had writers. A full writers room. Yes, but it, I, I mean, I'm with that too. I'm not a huge fan of everything he does, but there right. are things yeah. that he does that I love. But what I will applaud, I appreciate him for what he is. I appreciate him and for what he represents and, and for what the he Ladea has done. Dilemma. That's yes. exactly Which is right. Why, you know, yes. we, we yep. titled it that. hundred percent. hundred percent. Can I just stop us? I'm, I know I'm trying to sell this, but let me. Did you Can like we get to the ice cream? That's exactly what I was What did you think? I tasted it and I thought this one was good. Did you I think that was, was good? really good? Ooh, oh, he just said, did you think that was good? Like he did. So I'm not a so let me just say this. His, his Even his if no, 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 no. Let me say this. I'm not a big chocolate cocoa ice cream See, person, just either. in general. I'm just in either. general. So we need so to I move on. Be fair. Yeah, I just this, want to be fair. Well, taste the it other was, ice cream. So here's what I will say. It was not cringeworthy. No. But I would not get a bowl of it. You wouldn't get a bowl it, of is it. Is it the coconut that's bothering no, you? No, no. It's a heavy coconut. coconut in it. It's just, I, you know. It's not your move. Some of it, though, I'm sure is psychological. It might be. Me. It's psychological. The most, it's, the, it's the I want a pig. So the, okay, most, yes, yes, the yes. most popular. I'm not sure how that sounded, Jackie, <laughs> but I don't, I want, know, I don't I want, know that I want a pig I in me. I want a little pork saying. on that. I want a little pork on it. A little pork on it. So their most popular flavor is yes. actually this honeycomb. Okay. So we need another spoon. So is this can... like the cereal or like, what is that? I don't that? know. All right. I don't even I don't know, know what to expect. I think we taste need test. another. Okay, there we go. There's another okay, spoon. Wait. So now everyone has to taste the honeycomb. Okay. Because we're going to just be open. All right. All That's right. what we're going to do. you have a second cup? Uh, I, well, you know, just put it on top. You know top. what? Yeah. I'm going to put it right on top. Can you put it on top? Why not? Yeah, you, put it on. you just have to put it in the middle. Can you put it on top? Some of this shit just doesn't sound right. Listen, me too. Watch it. I didn't direct that to any particular person. Absolutely not. not. In fact, Jackie Reed and I had a conversation about me too. Do you remember that? We were at that event Come on, and, and yes. somebody came cup. out it, right before It was when we hit. were in LA, right? Yes, yes. Yep. And I told Jackie, y'all ain't oh, getting me on that. Mm-mm. Well, well, keep quiet. Listen, I, listen as long them. as I have known you, um, and... I'm respectful. No, you are. You, <laughs> you've my, never... My mama raised me, man. Listen. Do y'all want to talk about Tab and Smiley? Or do we, should we just move on? <laughs> what? How you like that ice cream, man? <laughs> this is not bad. Our rule is mm. you don't talk about anybody that was at BET publicly. Mm. Is that your rule? That's my rule. Oh, you want to talk nice. about Tavis? I don't care. Mm. Oh, go ahead then. Tavis don't particularly care for me anyway. Oh, so I, I, you and Barack Obama. <laughs> or me. <laughs> you and Barack Obama mm-hmm. and Jackie. Mm-hmm. Mm. This is not bad. Now, I would eat a bowl This of is that. good. See? And it's yeah. vegan. Okay. See? No Honeycomb. need to... To sprinkle any pork rinds on yeah. it or anything. In fact, I was um, coming to New York nice. one day, and I said to myself, you know what? Mm. I'm going to call Jackie Reed and see if she wants to go to dinner. And then I looked at her timeline, and she said, I'm turning vegan. And so then at that point, I said, oh, hell no. Dinner's not happening. I could take you to some great vegan but restaurants. But don't tell me it's going to taste like something. Oh, if you just no. tell me if that, it's going to be good, it's just going to be good. Okay. It's just going to be okay. good. You have to sit, because remember the oxtails I we was had, just gonna the vegan say, food that we had? We had vegan oxtails and scrimp that tasted like shrimp, and I don't eat shrimp. I don't like shellfish. But this scrimp version yeah. of shrimp was delicious. Was oh it? yeah, okay. and it had the consistency of shrimp. All right, Jackie. But it wasn't a bottom. Come feeder. on, in say the next it. few months, because I'm back and forth. Say it's you it. and me. It's Come you on. and me. It's say you it. and me. We're say going. It. We're going. <laughs> okay. We're going to dinner. You'll Greedy enjoy vegan. it. And I. And then when I come back. You gotta go McDonald's with me. <laughs> <laughs> McDonald's has the vegan. Open, no, open that's your Burger mind. King. Oh, it's Burger mind. My mind has been open. <laughs> now I'm closing it. <laughs> she won't even wear leather shoes. The poison food. Yeah, these I are I got vegan. free shoes off of this whole vegan thing. Wow. Like I'm benefiting from it. Wow. So I got free shoes off of yeah, it. Yeah, right? So I'm Can benefiting. we get me some free shoes? I don't think they're gonna I, Listen. Fit. 
There is great men's clothing. Oh, okay. don't throw oh. okay. okay. designers. There we is. Don't gotta right. start. What? I have to. Um, it's you, true. I have to. Ed, Ed, to go back to the book yes, just for a please. second. I, I can't resist. You, you, you write about. <laughs> you write. A, you write about <laughs> Donald Trump, and you interview several people about it. Yes. I am very curious because you have interviewed presidents. Obviously, you you've interviewed the the president who was trying to be the president of the entire United States, Barack Obama. <laughs> um, what what do you make of this? Just as a journalist, watching the way that journalists <laughs> and and I have to say. There's a very big difference. Here. Feel free. <laughs> There's a difference between the way journalists of color cover yes. Trump and yes. the way non-journalists of color cover Trump. In let me, your mind, do you agree? Let me start. These motherfuckers. <laughs> go on. Fill in the blank. Fill in the so blank. So I've been very, I, I've been disappointed with the press just across the board, black, white, or otherwise, in yeah. terms of how we have allowed this man to at 2.30 say one thing, yes. at 3.30 say something different, at 3.45 say something different, and try to convince us yes. that each time it was right. Mm-hmm. I refused. I did a panel the other day. I refused to talk about the um, Iranian strike, mm-hmm. even though it could have been uh, catastrophic. I understood that. But I said, this is exactly what he wants. He wants, he wants you to wag he the dog. He wants you just to just deal with this, never say anything about this impeachment. Yep. The embarrassment of this fool, and I, and here's the difference, and, and this will kind of solidify it for everybody the way I see it. My entire career, I never spoke ill of any president, even if I just could not stand their policies. Mm-hmm. I just, I was an old school journalist, mm-hmm. you just didn't. You honor the office. It's all, I don't even know if it was that deep. I just felt like, you know, they taught you back in the day, don't inject your opinion in it. That was the right, way. Right, got you. Now, mm. he's inept. He, I used to think, I just say want the it, president, I just want the president to be smarter than me. There you go. Right? Mm-hmm. I didn't care, you know, as much about policy. It's just, you need to be smarter than me. Yes. Dude. Yeah, clearly he he's... is not smarter than anybody. This motherfucker no. is not smarter than anybody. <laughs> anybody. Yeah. I'm Look, just going to interject. I ended the Trump uh, chapter saying, you know, uh, people say, we were going to survive Trump. Yeah, we're going to survive him. I said, bigly, we're going to survive him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, we survived worse. And, and we have, and, and we will. But as I keep telling people as we gear for this election, for me, it was never about him. You were either going to get four or eight of him, and then he's gone. It's these appointments. Yes. yes. That the we may not survive, and that's, that's right. what voters that's don't that's ever right. think about. Yeah. That's right. The, the people he's appointing will impact your children. That's right. And your children's children's yeah. lives. And when, for when, years. When, when Scalia died yep. and you think about, God bless her, Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Is, Pray for every day. You, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. She yeah. shouldn't have to hang on like this. That's now, right. Doesn't mean the Democrats haven't made a whole lot of political mistakes. Merrick Garland. A whole lot of political mistakes, Merrick right? Um, <laughs> even now, I will tell you, I have had many a conversation with Democrats to say, I feel you on this impeachment thing, but isn't it more important to make sure he doesn't do another four? Yeah. So I disagree with you there. They had to impeach him because here's the thing: as I agree with you that the country will survive Trump, but I'm not sure the presidency will survive him. And if he wasn't impeached, the presidency becomes basically a monarchy because if you don't lay down a line that a president cannot cross, I'm you not wind sure up you with something worse that than line him. already. Oh whether, no, he has, but they no, needed I'm to lay a marker no, down. I'm they not sure, to. but it's not. He's not, not going to be removed from doesn't office. Doesn't matter. The impeachment itself is also a sanction. For I will who? say that. I, a million I agree years. with you, but if it the is. impeachment, which 
went through, but the removal it's doesn't, it won't. won't, it won't, then all you have to do is do math now. Nope. Right? That's not true. I, like I, I disagree. I don't agree. I disagree. It's like Bill Clinton. No, How it's not. Has... Not like it's opposite. Bill Clinton was already reelected. Bill, remember, Bill Clinton was a second term president. Correct. So this is very different. This is the first time you've had a first term that's going to run again. Andrew Johnson didn't even but, bother. But to here's run the again. problem with In, that. Here's the problem with that. You can't now prove to me whether he wins or loses, mm-hmm. whether that impacted his win or loss. But it's a bit bigger than that, though. It's bigger than that because wow. here's the math that you have Hold to think on, about. See, <laughs> Joy is watch really this, smart. Watch this, watch this. So look, Let's I gotta turn in. this Let's way to make sure. Because look, this, I went this, to Western this. Michigan University, <laughs> so you know I'm. Listen, I'm overheating right now. You know what I'm saying? It's like when you got a raggedy ass car and you and you racing with somebody with a vet. You know, your car might get lucky and beat them, but you got to put that to the flow. Wait, so come on, Joy. This, come wait, on. Let's get on the BET look, side. Look. There's going to be a BET corner over here. Go I'm ahead. Joined. Go ahead, MSN. It's I'm bigger joined. than that. It's bigger than that. The two reasons they look, had to Somebody call Tiffany Cross. <laughs> <laughs> Tiffany used to work for me. Somebody call Tiffany in case I got to ask her. What that mean? What that mean, Tim? Okay. Okay, I'm three reasons he had to impeach him. Get rolling on the Three reasons he had to impeach him. Nobody will have time. And nobody will have time. Three reasons he had to impeach him. Number one. You had to impeach him for you had to lay down the line. You had to lay down a marker that a president can't do this. The last marker that was laid down was don't have sex with an intern. Not good enough. Had to impeach him. That's number one. To I protect bet, the office. I bet they still having sex with interns. So. You know they Okay, go ahead. Okay, go ahead. but anyway, you know they don't really care about <laughs> sex. Whatever. Number two, the reason you had to impeach him is because for the first time, Fox News viewers... People who don't pay attention to anything but Fox have had to listen if they watch TV at all. And by the way, they have they've had the highest ratings watching the impeachment have had to actually listen to the case against him. Now, I don't believe in conversion. I don't believe in it. I think people who voted for Trump are going to vote for Trump again. Yeah. Right. But there are people who are exhausted by Trump. They voted for him, but they're exhausted when they they're, they, they're actually here. There, it, there's only one shot at getting anybody who's wavering to not vote for him. Right. And that's to actually hear it. And this is the right. first time they've had to hear it. That's number two. But the third reason and the most important reason to impeach him is the Senate. You've said it before. The judges are all that matter. To get the judge, you got to have the Senate. There are four seats. The Democrats just need to flip four seats. One, two, three, four, you get the Senate back. Mm-hmm. And these senators, Arizona, uh, Maine, uh, uh, the senators, <laughs> hold on, we have two seats up in Georgia. You got seats up in key swing states that Democrats can actually win in which those senators are going to acquit him and they're going to pay. Colorado, Cory Gardner will lose because he votes to acquit Trump. Martha McSally will lose because she voted to acquit Trump. Um, there's a very good chance Joni Ernst will lose when she votes to acquit Trump. You have to make these senators do wrong okay. in, in, in a state where they can't guarantee a win. Lindsey Graham will be fine. Lindsey Graham is a suck-up to Trump because he knows he'll get reelected in South Carolina. That is not true for Cory Gardner. I grew up in Colorado. He will lose. He will acquit. He will lose for doing it. And the the reason you, you you impeach this man is to flip the Senate because, uh, listen, we may have to live mm. with four more years of Trump. I don't see a candidate right now that can necessarily beat him, but a Trump without the Senate is not Trump. He can't do half of the crap he's doing. He can't add another single person to the court without the Senate. He can't do half the stuff he's doing. They take the checkbook out of his hand by taking away the Senate. Democrats need to focus. It's not about him right now. So, the impeachment is about argument, the Senate. Yeah. That's a, that's yeah. Boom, okay. shakalaka. Okay. Okay. <laughs> it's all so it's about. Let me, make some good points. let me start my Chevetta <laughs> and say to you <laughs> that the Democrats... I'm going to use the <laughs> <laughs> Because Democrats are like me. You got to focus real, real hard when smart people are in the room. Mm-hmm. 
And they're not doing that right now. Mm. They will not flip four seats. I'll bet a vegan dinner on that, mm. Joy, you and me. That's fine. All right? Let's do it. Let me write that down. So write that down. Write, write that, down. that down. They will not They may flip or they four. may not. Well, that's always the case but they, but in they anything. Have, but they have a much better chance of doing well, it with impeachment than without. That's a different question. That's a different question. I don't saying, deny that. The reason to do it. I don't deny it. that. You ask why, why You got to let me drive my car now. You got to let me drive my car. You're driving it down so, the wrong road. Is almost so, well, look, here's the deal. I honestly believe that the lines that you talk about being drawn are a reflection of the society you live in. So impeachment used to be this sense of, oh, my God, it's the worst thing that could ever happen to a president. Mm -hmm. Nobody gives a shit that Bill Clinton was impeached anymore. Nobody, Nobody cares. Very it. different than Trump. No, no. I'm Very not talking different. about that the case wasn't different. No, no, no. no. I'm, I'm talking about, no, I'm talking about how one is perceived. That's not true. You're right? just wrong about that. No, well, you can you say that. The data and is wrong. And what is it, Harvard? Is it Harvard? <laughs> it is. Is it Harvard? I don't give a damn <laughs> yeah. that you got that degree. You, you can say, say that, but what I'm saying, that, no, idea. no, I ain't going to say that because okay. that would be, y'all be me too and me, so I ain't saying <laughs> that. But damn, I felt safe. <laughs> okay, okay. And if, if, I, if it was Amorosa, I might have said a good thing. Oh, goodness. my God. But... <laughs> But with this, I because I, you know, I respect Joy. You know, we so have they, to, yeah. But I will. Well, you know what, Joy? We'll just wait till November. Let's see. We'll just wait till November. Because I, I will say two things quickly about the difference between Clinton and Trump. Yes. Yeah, tell me the difference between these. Very but realize, though, let me just make the point I was mm -hmm. making. It's not about the. Di there are there are more than two reasons that mm -hmm. they are different in the the oh, aspect yeah. of of why they're being impeached. Oh, yeah, no, that's not what I mean. I'm, I'm just talking about how society now mm -hmm. looks at yeah. the exercise yeah. of impeachment and 100%. removal. 100%. If you go by the only thing we've got, which is the data, right, in the polls, Don, Bill Clinton was impeached at 66% popularity. He was 63 to 66% popularity. After he was impeached, it went up. Bill Clinton was already the most popular president in modern history. They impeached a popular second-term president mm -hmm. a year out from him being gone anyway. That was foolish. It didn't help them. Republicans didn't pay for it because the country was extremely polarized and because Al Gore was foolish enough not to run with Bill Clinton's help to get himself elected. Whatever. He won by 540,000, still lost the Electoral College. So that's what happened, right? With Donald Trump, he's already the most unpopular president mm -hmm. in modern history. He's really mm -hmm. the most unpopular president almost in the 20th century since Hoover, if you look at the data. He has become more unpopular from being impeached, unlike Clinton, who went up in popularity. He's gone down. The percentage of people right now in the best poll we've got, Pew, who said he should not just be impeached but removed is 51 percent. That didn't even happen to Nixon. Nixon stayed about the same level of popularity throughout, and he never got impeached because he quit. But the reality is this is the first president for whom we have polling data available that's impeached, who he's dropping in popularity because of impeachment. The majority of people believe he committed a crime. The majority of people believe he should be removed. This president is losing on the public opinion. But there's been nothing conventional about this president, and yeah. data said the day before he wasn't going to win. So if you take a look at just who he has been, the outlier that he's been. Mm -hmm. I'm doing pretty good right now. Mm -hmm. yeah, go ahead. <laughs> the Run, outlier that he, <laughs> that he has been really says mm -hmm. that the conventional wisdom and, and data, he's been able to kind of push aside and push past. So the only thing we have to do is kind of wait and see. We'll but see I, I would happens. still I would still say 
that at the end of the day, and I don't disagree with your idea of, of drawing lines, but, but you can draw a line, and if society refuses to adhere to that line, mm-hmm. then that line doesn't matter But that doesn't anymore. mean you don't draw it. I mean, but basically saying don't impeach him means don't do anything. Do nothing and just wait for the no, election. No, That was not an option. No, I would say that the option would be, and the do something would be to get him, make sure that he doesn't see a second You term. can do both of those two so, things because well, that's what we'll Democrats see. are doing. And by we'll the see. way, the Democrats will have an X factor this time that they didn't have in 2016. So let's just make sure that but wait, we are let me not... They're going to have an X factor that they didn't have in 2016, which is called Michael Bloomberg's money. Michael Bloomberg, if he follows through on what he said, said he will spend up to $2 billion money, unfortunately. To back anybody or just to back yeah, anybody? He just doesn't want him. I mean, his is personal. That's a big His difference. is personal. It's personal. It's yeah. personal. And yeah, if he yeah. really spends that money yeah. and he spends it well, yes. listen, I, I, I would hate agree to say with it, you there. but I trust Michael Bloomberg to decide better how to spend that money than the Democratic Party. They're not that good absolutely. at politics. Well, absolutely. Okay. But well, he knows how, and he used to be a Republican, absolutely. so he knows how to do Republican things, <laughs> like win elections. Ed's absolutely. entourage is saying that he has to go. Okay. Oh. <laughs> look, he's looking. He's gonna listen. drive that his listen. Maserati <laughs> on after that. No, no, Mazda, no, Mazda, 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 and ice cream and, and thanks wine. For, and thanks for dropping by. All right. <laughs> but you enjoyed the second ice cream. It's I, I did. Honeycomb was good. Honeycomb was good. Right Yummy. downstairs. So that means you're going to come back. I'm going to come back. Come back. And may I say, may I say this though? Truly, it's a pleasure to finally really spend some time Thank with you, you because much. we have really. Just said hello. Exactly. In passing. Well, I've been on our podcast before. before yes, yeah, I remember. On the phone. But by phone. On the phone. But now, so I'm going to have to invite you to my show as well. We do I a little media block. That. I would love to have you on. You can promote the book. Absolutely. Love to do that. that we will make that happen. happen. Sounds right, like a Ed plan. Gordon. And Jackie Reed, you know I love you. So. <laughs> I know. I love you. Who doesn't? How could you not love her? I know. But we got a we, special kind I know. We do. We go way, 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 way back. It's good. That's okay, right? Special thing. I didn't yeah, mean nothing about good, it. Nothing I'm telling you, y'all not getting me. You are. I enjoyed it. Look, because I am in the building where they had that secret button. Oh, Lord. Oh, we can don't I say one. that in the building? You can. Okay. Oh, my God. I had been in his office, too. Have you been in there? Stop Did it. you see the button? I didn't know. Who I'm not going to tell you about that time. You know who grabbed my leg? Okay, no, the table. you did tell oh, me about I that. Did. See, okay. yeah, I know. and or Gordon. That's and why we. That's why we. <laughs> that's why we. <laughs> and scene. Ed Gordon, thank you for being here. Thank you. Thank <laughs> you, you my book. So, Joanne, our next guest is going to make me sit up straight. I got to hide the wine glass, you know, and I'm looking at this bio, um, a master of urban studies and a master of divinity, uh, honorary of doctor. (laughs) I mean, it just goes on and on, but I know him as my pastor. So I just have to kind of lead with that. Um, The one and only A.R. Bernard is here. You know him. He's been on your show. Absolutely, He is the pastor of Christian Cultural Center in Brooklyn, New York. And he does so many other things. He, like us, Joanne, has lots of jobs. Has lots of jobs. He does a lot of things. Absolutely. But his main thing is pastoring like 35,000 like people. 45,000. Well, 45,000. Well, and the, the thing is, I can't keep up. I always appreciate having uh, Pastor Bernard here because I work on Sundays. And so I usually have to bring my pastors to me or text them yeah. um, and, you know, keep them on text. So I appreciate you being here. Yes. Any chance I have to get, <laughs> to get closer. A little Jesus. <laughs> To get to get the word, the good word. Get a word. How are you, pastors? Good to see you. I am 
blessed and highly favored. Yeah. Yes, that's what we say yeah. at CCC. We need pins that say that so we can like recognize each other, right? Yeah, I'll pass that on to the marketing <laughs> team. Right, right, right. So what's a what's a day that's not a Sunday like for you? Like what's a typical day like in the world of AR Bernard when you're working? I know you have off days. Okay, so my week plays out. Sunday is a 16-hour workday. Begins at 5 in the morning, ends about 8 at night, somewhere around there. Mm-hmm. Um, Monday's a break, but then Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, I'm all in for about 12 to 13 hours. And uh, then I break on Friday, Saturday is prep, and then we hit Sunday, unless I'm traveling. Right. And but you get, kind of the cycle. and working out is very important for you, right? I You're hit the gym three days a week, yeah. Um, you know, if you don't take care of your body, your body can't function well for you to support you in the things that you want to do. And I'm already motivated. And there there you it go. just Me happens. Too. This is how he speaks Same all the time. Here. You're just yep. constantly motivated. Well, we're happy to have you here on Read This, Read That. First time, but hopefully it will not be the last time. We were going to put a wine glass out for you, but then Joanne was like, no, don't do it. No. But I mean, I'm just saying that wine was good enough for Jesus. And oh, yeah, Jesus well. was kind of for it. So yeah, it's not bad. Right? You know, well, wine in, in the Catholic picture. church, they use the real deal. They, did go. they, they do, the right? They yeah. go. In communion service, absolutely. They do. That's wow. why people try to come back and get a second. They're like, you've already confessed. <laughs> you, you can't come so back. True. So, Pastor, this is the time of year. You know, it's it's late January, but still a lot of people make New Year's resolutions. Is that something that, that you adhere to? On Like, is, is the New Year, what does that symbolize for you, a New Year? Uh, new Year is a reminder of how wonderful it is that time is broken down into pieces that we can experience new beginnings whether it's a new day, a new week, a new month, mm. or a new year. And uh, a new year is on a larger playing field of planning and thinking about what you want to achieve, what you want to accomplish in, in the year ahead, and saying goodbye to the old year. And how you say goodbye is important, because however you leave determines how you enter. I, I feel I, like I should be taking notes. You should be. Like <laughs> when I'm at church. Yeah, right? <laughs> we well, all take it's out. It's all recorded. Let me, but let me tell you, when we're at church, when we're at CCC, everybody, because Pastor is so tech, you know, he's so technically advanced. No, he, no, he <laughs> is. He's big. He's, he's a big techie. No, I'm not kidding. He's a big techie. Yep. So everybody's on either their iPads or their computers or their phones taking notes. Nobody really has pen and paper, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but we're all taking notes, but... It's important. It well, is. I have a question for you, um, uh, Reverend Bernard, because the thing that um, I don't know if you get this a lot, but I definitely get it a lot from people who feel like this is a particularly horrible time um, for the country. It's a horrible time for humanity. The cruelty, um, the cruelty toward children, toward migrant children and animals, toward an- toward animals, just the, the meanness um, that's been brought into bear, you know, not that we're getting really political, but this Trump era is a mean era. Uh, it's an era where Nazism is back, right, where people are marching through Virginia with guns, um, where yeah. people are being very upfront about racism, about sexism, and people feel it's okay. So this is a mean era. So I wonder how do you pastor in a mean era, and what do you tell people if people do come to you and say, What's wrong with us as humanity in this era? How did we get here? I think first we put it in perspective because um, what Trump has done, his administration, his methodologies, is simply expose what has already existed in American society since the, uh, its founding to some degree and since the uh, Civil War. You know, the Civil War ended, but 
the whole notion of segregation, discrimination, superiority, marginalization, all those things continued. They transitioned into Jim Crow and uh, segregation. And, you know, we had to get down on the ground to create the civil rights movement and uh, continue to fight for our place in American society. The desire to participate fully in the social and political life of this, this great idea, this great, uh, you know, dream called uh, America. And we've had ebb and flows. I think what has happened now is that throughout American history, we have had a common enemy. I was the Cold War, and it was East versus West. Uh, but when the Soviet Union collapsed in 1989, 1991, that period, all of a sudden, we're the primary superpower. Mm. So we no longer had that common enemy. And what happens is you now begin to look inside of the nation. You look inside of yourself. And all the things that we were willing to put on hold or, or, or you know, put in a secondary position because of that common enemy now come to the forefront. And everything came so fast because things were brewing all along. And, 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 and here we are. And we realize that uh, we've got a lot that has to be fixed. Uh, for me, there's a wonderful passage in Scripture, Book of Proverbs, that says that um, hope deferred makes the heart sick. So what we're experiencing in our nation is a deferral of hope and the symptoms that come with that. The frustration that leads to aggression that translates into violence. Uh, for African Americans, it's a deferral of our hope to really embrace the American dream and to know that after all this time, we're still struggling for some of the same things that we've been fighting for for the last 150 years. Uh, even amongst whites, uh, working class, who have a deferral of hope for economic empowerment, where the white privilege hasn't meant a lot to them. Uh, I think, you know, across the boards, it's, it's, it's that frustration, that, that anxiety that is created by, by these realities. So it's less about Trump. It's more about the nation and what we are willing to allow, uh, how we've downgraded our values and lowered our standards and what we would not tolerate at one time in our society, it's now becoming normalized. But you talk about hope, and it's interesting you bring that up because Joanne and I talked about this, I think, a couple of episodes ago. And I was going uh, round and round with my mother about it because for me, particularly with politics, I mean, I think I have a lot. I think I'm a hopeful person. But I am one who, you know, Joanne was like, are you going to watch the impeachment hearings? And I'm like, no, I'm just done with it. You know, and I feel like, you know, who's going to defeat Trump? You know what I mean? And I don't want to discourage people from getting out there and voting. And I am going to get out there and vote. But I just wonder from your perspective, you know, how, how do you hold on to hope um, at a moment like this with everything that's going on, particularly with this administration, particularly in politics right now? You know, if you don't have hope, you become hopeless, and that leaves you in despair. Mm -hmm. And since you have the power to choose, I would choose something that's not going to leave me in despair, that's not going to drain me to the point that I just give up and I resign myself. But everybody doesn't have that strength. I mean, I do, well, but I, everybody doesn't. You well, know I don't know, I mean? because I think we live in something called a comfort zone, that low point that we are willing to allow ourselves to go to 
before we're willing to say, hey, now, enough of this. I've got to change this. What that bottom is is different for each person. But then we have that high point because once we hit that low point, we decide, okay, I need to do something. So we engage in discipline. Uh, we engage in, 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 in changing the way we think, embracing hope, embracing faith. And then it takes, up, takes us on that upward trajectory and we find ourselves now moving away from that bottom and experiencing the quality of life that we would like. But then we get to a place where we feel good about what we've achieved through all those disciplines, and all of a sudden we, need, we deserve a break. And we begin to fall away from those very disciplines that elevated us. And when we do that, we go through that downward spiral. So life becomes almost a roller coaster ride between that low and that high point, and it becomes a comfort zone for some people that they're happy living in, and it's unfortunate. Well, I mean, what do you think that um, that people can do to, because, you know, this, I always tell people and remind people, you know, look, Donald Trump is mortal like everyone else, you know, even if he is refuses, he? even if he refuses <laughs> to he? leave the White House, which, you know what, there's a chance he may refuse to leave even if he loses. We don't know what he's going to do, but he can't stay in there forever. I mean, eventually he's going to go. And so then the question becomes, what does America look like when he's when he whenever he's no longer president? We have to now pick up the pieces of what he's left behind, of what this air is left behind. How do we do that? See, that's important what you just said. And we have to be careful. Is it Donald Trump? Or should we be looking at what Donald Trump symbolizes? Right. And if we take it away from the person mm -hmm. and understand him as a symbol of certain aspects of American reality, then we have something to create an agenda yeah. to move forward. Got it? Because the answer is not just removing the person. Right. It's what he symbolizes. It's oh, what we, he represents that we have to tackle in order to change the trajectory that America currently it, it's is It's almost on. like he is a virus that is unleashed an ill, or, or maybe <laughs> or he's not, a, he didn't unleash it, right? He just it depends it. on who you ask. He unearthed it. I mean, but you're right. there are some people who support him. Yeah. They're willing to turn the other way because the economy is strong. Yeah. He, he is They're getting what they want on other exactly. levels. And that's, that's politics. And I that's hate power. to say it, though, uh, Reverend, but a lot of those are religious people because there are people who are calling themselves Christians who are his base, his his mo his strongest base. Are you talking are about white Paula White? Evangelical Christians, the Paula Whites of the world, <laughs> who feel that he is not just right politically in their mind, but who equate him to being God. This is where it gets to be actually really problematic I think from a from the point of view of, as a person who grew up in the church hearing people who call themselves Christians call Donald Trump almost God is shocking but that's his base his base are people who say they are Christians yeah, and that's a failure in hermeneutics and it's not the the only failure in hermeneutics that has taken place in American society by the way using complicated words okay I'm sorry that's a $1,700 okay, word I'm and I told you you have to take notes. Did I tell you to take notes? I have to work on Sunday. You can't just listen back. You have to listen. He writes on a dry eraser board, and he's always throwing words at us like this. Yes, and he defines the words and gives you, like, uses it in sentences. People who use four-syllable words are all my best friends. You are now my best friend. Go on, finish your thought. Okay, okay. So hermeneutics simply the way we interpret things. And and for a long time, Christianity has had a hermeneutic of segregation. And it was an, a, a command of God that races be separated, which reinforced white superiority. 
So when it becomes a belief, you know, part of your belief system, you would think it's a divine mandate. And that's what has happened again with the evangelicals that surround uh, Trump. I know some of these individuals, yeah. and it's unfortunate. You know, and also it's just the whole idea of being near power, yes. you know, which can be intoxicating. But uh, there are those who, who develop a lens, and that's problematic because, look, we are called by Jesus in our Christian faith to be salt and light. And salt comes from a word that is, is, means prudence, wisdom, discernment, uh, good judgment. So we bring that to society to preserve the moral and spiritual integrity of society. So when we look to influence culture in that way, it makes for good religion and good politics. But when we look to control culture, it makes for bad religion yes. and bad politics. And that's what we're seeing right now. I just now. want to see religion get back to caring for the immigrant, the the, the widow, the sick and the orphan, and the that is what I was raised that 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 Jesus taught us that we. Well, there's care a for lot in the in in the world of religion and Christianity. People that are still doing that. But there are people doing it. But the people who are preaching that 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 Trumpism is their new religion, they want the opposite of that. They want to hurt the poor. They want to take from the poor. They want to take away Medicare, take away Social Security, take away uh, food stamps, take away uh, the 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 right of. of desperate refugees to come to this country. They're doing the opposite of everything that I've ever read in the Bible. Well, well, I'm just saying. Well, you see, you, but everybody has a lens through which we see. And what we see with our eyes is conditioned by the con is colored by the condition of our heart. So if their lens says the only way we're going to preserve our Christian identity and our Protestant privilege influencing American culture is if we are in political power, positions of political power, or influencing, strongly influencing positions of political power. The irony is that these very individuals who are doing this do have feeding programs. They do have programs that help the poor. Their perspective is that it should be the job of the not-for-profit sector. It should be the job of the churches and organizations that are philanthropic. It should not be the job of the government. And so there's an ideological difference between your perspective, which comes from Christian roots, and their perspective. Yeah. Mm. And what? I think it's also, it, 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 you can't avoid it being also racial, too, because black Christians ain't on that train. I'm just saying. Oh, there are. There are. There are black, black Christians absolutely. on the same train. There oh, are yeah. black Christians who are in support of Donald Trump, who voted for Donald Trump, and um, they have bought into this divine mandate that has been presented uh, concerning him by those who surround him. And they've, it's, it's their, there are a lot of African-Americans that are so far into conservatism, you know, that they align themselves with Donald Trump. You can definitely see that. Okay, so I got to lighten anyway, this up for a minute. Please. Because <laughs> aside from you really, really being in tech, and, and we see that um, when we're at church, you're also um, very passionate about crime novels. And different what? things crime like that. Crime novels. Crime you novels. Are. Whoa, you're putting me on blast here. <laughs> I'm not. I want people to know all, all of the things. That, and I wonder, um, you know, what crime novels you're reading, or more importantly, because we watch a lot of TV and uh, movies on this show. Do you, like, what are you watching on TV, Pastor? Okay, are you a wait, Game wait, of Thrones wait, wait. Let's go fan? Back to the, to the <laughs> crime novels. All right, all right, all right look, look. Because you are the, big the, into the, crime novels. This the, I know. The, the Bible is a book that's filled with 
different genres of writing. Mm -hmm. It could be poetry. It could be symbolism. It's it's a little history. It's so uh, diverse in what it it presents. So that has influenced me in my taste for uh, what I read. Uh, I love figuring things out. I love a puzzle. So I'm a big fan of a James Patterson, a David Baldacci, uh, a John Grisham. You know, I I enjoy writing that's going to cause me to think critically, to pay attention to details, to anticipate outcomes, to understand the dynamics between the protagonist and the antagonist. I, I love that. Have you ever done an escape room? Escape room? Have I ever read it? Have you ever been at one? No, it's like where you actually live out a crime novel and you try to solve a mystery. Yeah, within a certain amount of time. You have a certain amount of time. You have to get to, like, they lock you in a room. With a team. With a team of people that you know or... You know, I've heard about that. I've seen it. No, I haven't done it. it. Yeah, you solve a mystery. It's like you're in a crime novel and they give you all the clues and you and your, it's usually you and your family or you and your friends have to try to solve the mystery and get out. You'd probably be good at it. Or stop a bomb from going off. Or stop a bomb. (laughs) A terrorist attack. (laughs) Yes. Uh, It is, but... But it's a lot of fun. But I just wonder, I just wanted you to share some of the things that you do when you're away from, uh, from being, away from uh, being pastor, pastor yeah, doctor. I, 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 well, I ride my motorcycle. My motorcycles, I, I, I go to martial arts class. I mean, you know, I go to the gym, um, enjoy my family, my grandchildren, yeah. all 24 of them. Yeah. And, um, you know, and watching television, I, I besides documentaries and news, yeah, um, I, I enjoy um, pieces that really explore human nature. Because mm-hmm. if anything that you have to become good at as a clergy person, right, is understanding human nature. Yeah, because like essentially Game of Thrones. that's what we're dealing with. That's all about human nature. It is. Yeah. Game yeah. of Thrones. So is The Walking Dead. Yeah. Yes, true. The Walking Dead. These you are heard about The Walking yes, Dead? Yes, I heard of The Walking <laughs> Dead. This is one of our favorite shows. It's about okay. the end of the world. It really, it's and it's all about human nature. It really is, Pastor. Uh, most of it is about human nature at the end of the day. Yeah. yeah. But see, I don't have that kind of time. Time, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you have to commit to it. Because, you know, I, I, I relax by studying yeah. and researching. This is a. If you start watching The Walking Dead, which I highly recommend, Mm -hmm. you will get hooked. Start at season one. Okay. Maybe I mean it'll be there forever. You can watch like an episode a week. Uh oh. No. (laughs) See, that's the problem. I'm going to be curious, so that means I end up binge watching. Oh, then don't. And you don't want to binge watch Game of Thrones. No. Especially if you're starting from the beginning. That's a lot. Right. You won't see me for the next couple months. (laughs) That's a whole lot. Give guest pastors for like a month. Well, I. Well, listen, I have to ask for some advice on this because my big my, my words for this year are organized and focused. And I've got these planners and I'm really trying to, you know, really focus on just being more present um, and more organized in my life. And I know that you are a very organized person and I want to know how you pull that off. What advice would you give to someone who is trying to be better organized in 2020? Let's begin with the philosophy. Discipline is the bridge between thought and accomplishment. Discipline translates vision into reality. <laughs> uh, and unless you appreciate it, love it, embrace it, and practice it, it doesn't matter what you plan or dream up. It's not going to happen. In fact, your dreams are going to frustrate you because you're going to have all these dreams and great ideas but never see them materialize. Mm. So it begins with discipline. And when discipline it begins in one area, it spreads to the rest of your life. It really does as you practice it. 
So discipline in writing things down, discipline in taking notes, discipline in listening, discipline in paying attention, be, discipline in being observant, um, you know, across the boards. That's, I, that's I have a discipline question for you. How do you do you ever get writer's block? Because I have writer's block right now. I have to write a, cha- a new chapter for the book that I can't that came out for me last year. And I'm so behind because I have writer's block. Like I look at the blank page. And I'm like, Ooh, I can't do anything. Hmm. Well, define to from you, your yeah. definition of, writer of writer's block. Literally, um, I can't focus myself to write anything. Like, I know I need to write, like, a column, or I know I need to write this chapter, but then when I open my laptop to start doing it, I sort of stare at the blank page and go, okay, that's not going to work, and then I start watching TV. How do you experience life? What do you mean? How do you experience life? Do you look at a sunset? Do you observe people? Their actions, their facial expressions, their words. No, no, I pretty much, I mean, because of the job that I have, I spend a lot of time paying attention to our toddler president. Um, (laughs) uh, Right now I've been binge watching and listening to the impeachment hearing. So I'm watching a lot of news, a lot. And then when I'm not doing that or dealing with family stuff, um, I try to read, but I don't really have a lot of time. Or I try to write, which I'm not doing very well at. Uh, or I'm on the phone texting, or I'm on social media. <laughs> <laughs> well, see, that's I might be tweeting a lot. Yeah, your life can become quite myopic if you don't make room for experiencing it outside of that very focused yeah, very true. world that you're I'm in. Because inspiration, yeah, inspiration yeah. comes from any and everywhere. Yeah. If you're exposed to it, if you're in touch with it. And when I'm not doing work, I'm pretty much watching TV. Yeah. And <laughs> and and really, your brain wants to rest. You're yeah. looking to escape. You're looking to pull away. So you've got to really uh, have times that you're in touch with the world outside of your world. That's a great idea. And it inspires you. That is great advice. Yes. <laughs> that is, I tell you, he's got, he just, it just comes yeah. all the time. Do you want to be my therapist? <laughs> <laughs> we need to turn this into I a therapy, therapy every session. Sunday. Oh, every Sunday. Every Sunday I give therapy. Every Sunday. <laughs> Should Pete, you know, Joanne started off jokingly saying, you know, she works on Sundays, so she can't come to church. I don't come as often as I should, but what do you say to people who, you know, um, are disconnected and they don't want to come to church? They're they're Christian, you know, or but they they like I have some friends who feel like um, the church in some way uh, has betrayed them. And so they don't want to come. You know, uh, what do you say to those people? What church do you go to? <laughs> you start with that. need to change church. Maybe change church. <laughs> I have I have actually a friend of mine who felt like Reverend Ike throwback uh yeah. <laughs> swindled his mom out of so much money back in the day. His mom would you know they were poor and mm-hmm. she would send any money. Sure. So that sure. soured him from going to church yeah, to this that's, day. That's, that's that's not good because it's being used as an excuse. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't judge by Jesus by his disciples, and I read about his disciples. And mm. They were 12, 12 <laughs> interesting <laughs> individuals, 12 dysfunctional <laughs> you know, individuals. Um, it's dangerous when you cast one conclusion and judgment made uh, upon religion or faith or, 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 in our case, Christian faith, Jesus, because of what people who claim to believe in him do yeah. or don't do, or the institutions that supposedly represent him do or don't do. Because, and that's the beauty of Christianity. Um, we call it a personal relationship with Christ. It's lived out in all of these other platforms and communities and opportunities to experience him. 
but most importantly is that personal relationship that you have it, with them. Can we talk a little bit about the sort of ecumenism piece of it? Because we've seen a lot, even in New York, where it, which is seen as a very liberal place, but only the city is really liberal, um, a lot of anti-Semitic sure. attacks. We've seen, you know, swastikas painted even on in Jewish um, burial grounds. And then just in, again, I hate to keep going back to our, our, our baby, the, 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 the toddler <laughs> that, I, that I monitor on a weekly basis, but, I mean, the anti-Muslim... Um, attitudes, the um, attacks on um, not only Muslims, but people who ignorant people mistake for Muslims, or Sikhs being attacked, Muslims being attacked, um, the ban on people who come from majority Muslim countries, which is offensive to everything about what America is supposed to be about, the attacks on members of Congress who are of different faiths and, and, and colors and religions, et cetera, that that's been festered. How do you, within the Christian faith, deal with the ecumenical piece? Because we're, you know, these are all, bro all brother religions, right? These are the Abrahamic religions that are all like cousins, but they treat each other sometimes like complete strangers. How do you, as a Christian, deal with that? Okay, well, that's a lot. That's, <laughs> yes, that's a that question. question. Yeah, let's but, <laughs> but, let, let, let's, uh, let's, <laughs> let's talk about the anti-Semitism. <laughs> um, you know, look, um, America is a place that promises so much, but at the same time, it has its issues, and one of those issues historically is the place of the other, and the other has not fared well in American society, African-Americans, um, the Jews, the Irish when they came over to lower Manhattan, the Italians when they came in, the, the, the Asians when they came in, the Muslims when they came in. And when we think about the anti-Semitic attacks, which we have to be careful not to lay at the feet of African-Americans just because that's been the experience here in New York City, there weren't African-Americans attacking Jews across the country, in Europe, yep. you know, so we have to be careful there. But there is that old tension that exists within New York City communities where you have um, primarily Hasidic Jews living side by side with African-Americans. You're talking poor and working class. And many don't realize that even these Hasidic Jews are essentially poor and working class. So what happens is... Uh, when you are the other, you're discriminated against, marginalized, uh, you know, uh, disenfranchised. Sometimes that frustration builds up that you begin to look for someone else to be the other. So now the victim can become the victimizer. Hmm. And I think that's some of the tension. Also a lack of understanding a lack of the Jews understanding our African-American experience and history, and also we not understanding that the Hasidic community is quite insular. That's their theology, that's their culture. So they intentionally practice separation that can translate into isolation, which can be misinterpreted as a sense of superiority. I'm better than you. Mm -hmm. Also, people naturally respond or react to anything that threatens them. So fear and anger are natural responses to perceptions of threat, to perceived threat. So when a community perceives that another community is coming in and taking over that community, ruling that community, taking over the retail establishment, et cetera, and changing the quality of life in their favor and they're not benefiting from it, then that fear, that anger, 
again, turns into an aggression that results in violence. And you start scapegoating. Yeah. You start blaming, say, okay, this is, they're the reasons why. We saw that with Rodney King in, yeah. in, in the riots. Mm -hmm. It was the Korean community that came in, took over the fish markets, the food markets, the grocery stores, you know. So that is an interesting dynamic that, you know, we, we, we can feel. And I will tell you, I'm working on a book called Angry America. And it takes a look at these threats that are felt by all of these different communities. And are these threats genuine? Are they perceived? Are they manufactured by culture, by media? You know, um, how, do we, how do we understand all of this to try to make sense of it? Yeah, well, I mean... Pastor Bernard, we could have you um, on this show for a complete hour. Yes, we could. But unfortunately, we are out of time. What are you What are you doing after this? Is this it? Because I know this is a recording day for you. You've been busy today. Yeah, I'm going to chill after this. A little Walking I'm, Dead, I'm, I'm perhaps. Are you Are you working for for, for Walking no, Dead or what? Watch stuff. Yeah, that, no, that, don't you go near this lady? I can Jack imagine that. I bet you would like The Walking Dead. You would really she like sells it. Sells a show. It'll definitely. Sell a show. I know Walking you, Dead. What is, what is so it about The Walking Dead? What is it, a, what is it about or what is it about it that we love? Yeah. Yeah. What is it about it that you love? Well, because it, it it's human not drama. just, it's not even about the zombies. No. It's about human nature. Yep. It's like how we will respond, you know, to the, to the worst possible scenarios that life could throw at us. It's basically. It really is. When you take, it, it's about what happens to human beings when you remove so social rules. And it's sort of like Lord of the Flies. Okay. And so exactly. the, the dead are yeah. not the point. The living not even. and their their chaos and inability to function without rules. Once the rules went away, the people became more savage than the dead. That's what it, it, So people think of The Walking Dead as being about the gruesome sort of dead things that are eating people. And it's, it's not really that. about the living people and how savage they are when they don't have rules. And also the efforts by little pockets of people to hold on to their humanity. To hold on to their humanity. They're, that's a big part of it, too. Yeah. And that's what gives you a little bit of See, hope yeah. in now, the now show. I can buy into that yeah. because that's part of the big question. That's part of why I'm a Christian. Mm -hmm. Because Christianity, more than any other religion, belief system, ideology— answered these three questions. Number one, a reasonable explanation of God. Number two, what does it mean to be human? Mm. And number three, what does it mean to live in this world? The that Walking Dead. The That's walking the Walking Dead, dead right there. Describe the show. Come on, Pastor. You gotta you watch this. It. That's it. Uh, That's what it's about. Soul. Okay. Yes. <laughs> Wonder viewers for the Walking Dead. It's been wonderful. It's been great it's having you here. You have to come yeah. back. I, I hope I get invited back. Um, the invitation fantastic. is open and endless. Oh, pastor. that sounds familiar. And send the bill for the therapy session. Just tip. Yes. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you both for what you do. Really. Really. Uh, in your respective fields of influence, it's so important that we have civil conversations uh, amongst reasonable people about the issues and learn how to disagree without being disagreeable. Indeed. Indeed. Yeah. Indeed. Yeah. Well, we both agree that you're great. Yes. If I didn't work on kind. Sundays, I'd be right up at the Christian yes. Cultural Center. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Pastor. Have, most people I know go there. So many people I know. It's such a great church. It church. really is. Congrats on that. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yay. Hey, everybody. Thank you for listening to Read This, Read That. So fun. I know. This was a good show. I know. Good stuff. I know we got a little, little spirituality, the men's. Ice cream. 
cream. A little ice cream. It's good. Wine and ice cream. I've never had that together before. But it's vegan good together. Ice cream is good. How'd you like the vegan ice cream? I enjoyed it. I right? liked both of them. I did too. Yeah, me too. All right. Well, you can uh, catch my cousin, Joyanne, on AM Joy on MSNBC. This- in MSNBC yeah. this weekend, 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. until noon. Yeah. I know it's going to be a great show this weekend. It's, we're, it's more a, impeachment. impeachment. I mean, it's this weekend is impeachment weekend. So Saturday, just sort of keep stay tuned to see if we're on at our regular time or at 7 p.m. It'll be one of the two, depending on the impeachment trial. So we will be doing impeachment stuff and, of course, Sunday, a regular show. But you can, of course, catch Miss Jackie Reed. Get ready for the rundown. <laughs> Yo, (laughs) New York Live. She won't be saying motherfucker on New York Live. I can tell you that. She'll be uh, New York Live in the New York area. But sometimes, you know, you might want to. But you can't. Commercial breaks. Same here. I say it in the breaks, too. Yeah. Uh, you can catch a Jackie Reed on New York Live in the New York area Monday through Friday at 1130 a.m. at The Hub today in Boston at 1230 p.m. Also catch Jackie on Serious Progress on Saturdays at 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time and Sundays at 11 a.m. for Inside Her Story. And, of course, you have to catch Jackie online and on social media at VeganSexyCool. Bum, 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 bum. Bum, Get your vegan on. Yes, thank you so much. <laughs> that does it. For us, tell your friends to subscribe Please. and follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Read This, Read That, and leave off the extra tea for savings on Twitter. On Twitter. Bye. Bye.